If you ever go to a soccer fixture featuring the Mexican national team, you've seen them. If you step foot into the same stadium, you have heard their chants. If you ever have the pleasure of attending one of their tailgates, you felt the love. They are Pancho Villa's army, a collection of thousands stretched out across America, people joined by their adoration of El Tri, football, and cultura. And they are always looking for more friends to join the party. Sergio Tristan is the man behind it all, the person who came up with the crazy idea to bring a group of fans together. But Pancho Villa's army knows him as El General. It's totally different right now. Um, COVID-19 has completely changed um, how we kind of support the Mexican national team. Um, and it's kind of given us an appreciation of what we had, right? Like, uh, you, you often see that meme, you know, we didn't know we were happy. And then it's like a picture of something, right? That was pretty funny back in the day. And honestly, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for us is people complain about Los Moleros, right? Mexico, Bermuda, Mexico, you know, some other lower level, uh, you know, soccer nation. Uh, man, I would take a, a Mexico Bermuda soccer game right now in a heartbeat, right? So you don't really know what you have until you don't have it. And I think that's how a lot of Mexico soccer fans feel right now. Um, and, and, you know, just before we got on, you were mentioning that, you know, your website gets, you know, a million page views. And I know it's something, uh, and we'll kind of go back into your backstory and how you started Pancho Villa's Army um, and kind of blogging about, you know, there, there was just a dearth of coverage for Mexican soccer. Um, and so it's amazing to hear that. And it's great to hear that, um, that, you know, it's getting covered. Um, explain to me the evolution, I guess, of, um, the website, at least the, the, the news behind it, the aggregation of it, the, 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 the blog and people coming to it. And what was it like in the beginning? And you had, like you said, you have a million page views now. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of started in 2013. Um, you know, that's when we kind of really officially launched the and when I say we, like, I mean me, right? Like there's like me and this, and this my buddy, uh, Rich, he's a, uh, he's a coronel. I, a lot of people know him as a coronel. We really just kind of started this in, in, in 2013. And it was just us two. Rich Guell, known more affectionately as El Coronel, is the second in command. But really, he's the person that helps oversee support for all the other cities and different chapters. Well, my love, first of all, my, my love of soccer started probably well, when I was young. Man, I would probably say, I don't know, maybe six, seven. Uh, we would always go to my, my uncle's house, you know, for carne asadas on the weekends. And, and he would always have the, the soccer on, right? It was, that was his thing. He, he coached soccer. He played in a Sunday league. So it was always, you know, it's just something that just oh, I always like. My family is from northern Mexico, and uh, they're more baseball fans. Than, than soccer fans but for me just soccer just it just started uh it just grew on me it grew on me and uh Pancho Villa's army started uh probably 2013 I would say uh late year of 2013 there was a there was a USL team out here uh, at that time that had just started named uh, the Phoenix Wolves and we we formed a supporters group it was a, a bunch of people just came together in the community and and just went out and supported this team and one of our members there um he he had a, he had been turned on to Montreal's army before that you know and he was he was kind of trying to start something out here in phoenix um and and he goes hey rich i think you're the perfect person to kind of get this off the ground he goes you you've got a lot of resources and you're passionate maybe you can kind of take the reins so that's kind of 
and, and so he was the one that contacted me through Sergio, you know, to Sergio because uh, they had they had contacted each other through internet and or Facebook and whatnot, and that's basically pretty much how I got involved. I mean, I contacted Sergio and and we both had that same passion for the three, and we just said, you know, let's let's do something, let's do something for the people, you know, let's do, you know, because we got a ton of fans, right? And if we get united, I mean, we could be we could be an unstoppable force for for the three. At least that's how we feel. <laughs> And it was a, a Twitter account and a Facebook page. That's Sergio Tristan, or El General. And we put out a message saying, hey, we love Mexican soccer. Does anyone else love Mexican soccer? Let's go to a game. And that's really where it started. I mean, it was not, um, it was not high tech, high end, well staffed. Um, it was just two guys kind of putting this thing together, right? Um, and it's kind of grown from that. Um, and, and really, it's grown through the evolution of finding out that there's a lot more people like me out there. Um, you know, at first we thought, oh, if, you know, three, four, five of us get together and go to Mexico games, that'd be pretty cool. And, and we'll cheer on Mexico. And, and we've come to realize that there is an entire population out there of people just like me. Uh, and, and, and we not only love Mexican soccer, but more importantly, consume their information in English. Um, while also being Spanish speakers, right? Like, I think a lot of us, especially those of us that grew up in the 80s uh, and the 90s, um, we had our, our educations in, in English, right? So we consume information a lot easier in English. So we're, we're, we're yearning for that soccer content in English. And that's kind of what Pancho Villa's Army is and has become, right? We, we take some of that, that Mexican news soccer information and put it in an easier format for Mexican Americans to consume. Pancho Villa's army is a group of Mexican-Americans, many of whom revel in the duality of the language, the culture, the cuisine, of what that means. But in talking with PVA members, there remains a question of identity inherent to Latinos who sometimes get questioned on both sides of the border. It's outdated, thankfully, that people see, you know, Mexico supporters and why aren't they rooting for the U.S.? Um, we, I definitely do, do want to talk about, you know, people like myself who feel, you know, torn in two. You know, you have the, you know, Mexico side and the U.S. side, and you want to root for both. And you see people taking off one jersey, you know, during the games, <laughs> and that happens. And it's not for, you know, bandwagoning. It, it's more to, to you're torn um, as a Mexican American. Um, but I do want to go into your service. Um, talk a little bit about that, I guess. Yeah, you know, so kind of to, to start off, I'll go back to what you were saying. You know, there was a time when if you were a Mexico fan in the U.S., like there was some, you know, hurtful language used against you, right? Um, but I think, um, I think I was the worst example for them to use, right? Uh, I'm a veteran. Um, uh, I was an infantryman in Iraq during some of the most um, tenuous times. Uh, especially the, the first election in 2005. So I was there during that period, uh, some of the biggest battles, uh, infantrymen leading soldiers in combat. And you're going to tell me I'm not American, right? Like it just destroys the entire argument, right? Um, so yeah, I'm not American. I'm Mexican-American. Uh, I, have, I have that uh, dual cultural impact in my life, right? Um, so things have obviously gotten better. But yeah, like, like you said, you know, I'm a, I'm a military service member. I joined the Army when I was 17, uh, or I joined the Texas National Guard when I was 17. 
Um, I enlisted right away into the infantry airborne. Uh, so I went and did all that. Um, and through that, I got some scholarships to go to UT and eventually become an officer. And I got my commission to become a, a lieutenant in the infantry in 2002. So in 2002, I became a, a, an infantry lieutenant. I went off and did the infantry officer course, a couple of other courses. And by 2004, I was on active duty deployed to Iraq. Um, and then I came back from Iraq in 2006. So I was, I was during the initial deployments, um, especially during the initial insurgency um, uh, period when, you know, deployments were, were, were longer. Um, you know, now you deploy, you do about nine to 12 months, maybe. Um, back then you were doing 18 months or more. Um, some people were there for two years straight, right? So, so I was there during one of the more difficult periods of time. Um, after that, I came back, got another scholarship to go to law school, went to law school, and I, I transitioned from the infantry to the JAG Corps. Um, I think there's that, uh, that very popular TV show, JAG, you right. know, where that, yeah. yeah so, so basically, same storyline as that, right? Like, you go from a combat guy to a lawyer, and, and you, you, but you maintained a military career. Uh, so I transitioned into the JAG Corps in 2010, um, and then I got deployed again in 2010, at the end of 2010. Um, but, you know, I've been in the military now for 21 years. Uh, I currently serve in the Texas National Guard. Um, and, and like you said, I, I'm just as American as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like tacos and Mexican soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes you American, too. I mean, it, exactly. I mean, I think we've gotten away from that. Um, lately, but it is, you know, being American is everything. It's, it's diversity. This goes further than, than soccer. Um, we have the privilege and, and we have, to, it's a privilege. I really believe it's a privilege that we have the, be- we can, we have the best of both worlds, two different cultures. That's Rich Guell, known as El Coronel. And, you know, there's, there's the American culture that we're used to Americanized growing up here. Um, and then we also have our, our, our traditional culture in Mexico. So, and, and it's something that I've always, I've always been very, very proud of my heritage, very, very proud of my family, where they come from, where we're from. I'm very, you know, very, that, that's, that's my thing. I've always done that. Rather, if, if it didn't exist, I would still have that same passion for, for, for my Mexican heritage. So when, when people, when people, you know, ask me, "Hey, are you American?" or whatever, I'm Mexican. I'm, I am, I am Mexican. You know, I was just, I was born here. And I was born here by, I don't know if I want to call, I guess, by circumstance, by uh, my, because my mom, my mother, went to Mexico, married my father, and then we lived out. Well, they lived out there. She was pregnant with me, and she decided to come home, uh, just because of personal reasons or whatever. She goes, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to the U.S. Back to, and so my dad, obviously, they, he came with her, right? So he crossed illegally. She came first. He crossed illegally. But I was born here. I mean, it could it was just a matter of months. I would have been a, a, a Mexican citizen, you know. Right. But um, like I said, I've had that advantage or I've had the – we have that uh, that advantage or the privilege to, to be both. And, um, and like I said, for me, it's always been, it's always been Mexico first. And, you know, you know, for me, it's always the idea that, you know, I think some people see some fans take off one kit, you know, when, when one team goes ahead and they have the other kit underneath and, and some people think, oh, they're bandwagons. But I always saw it as, no, you know, being Mexican-American myself, you know, mm-hmm. the heart is big enough to have two, you know, two loves in your life, you know, so. Um, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I agree because, I mean, think about it like this. So, like, if you have a if you have a family and you have a son, right, and you're, you're diehard three, you've always been three, and your son 
grows up here, you know, get, gets recruited, plays for, ends up playing for the U.S. national team. You're telling me you're not going to wear your son's jersey, you know? So it's like, you know, you, you do have a space for that. And, you know, because we, we're big sports fanatics. We are sports fanatics. So, like, I'm a Dodger fan, diehard Dodger fan. And so, but if my son or my grandson or if they, if they play for the Giants, then guess what? I'm, I'm going to wear a Giants jersey, you know, because family is stronger. It's a stronger bond, you know? And so, yeah, I, I believe there, there is room for both. You know, we don't, we don't really, I don't look at, I don't look down on that, you know, at all. It's funny because it, it, there, there's people all over Ponchu's army exactly like you, and there's people all over Ponchu's army exactly like me, um, and that's what kind of makes it really special, right? We have we have supporters that that root for both teams, um, and then they'll pick a team uh, whenever the two play each other, right? Uh, we have supporters where the 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 girlfriend or the wife is a U.S. fan, and then the guy is a Mexico fan, and vice versa, right? Um, we have one that really became popular this past summer during the Gold Cup. Um, he married uh, this American girl, and she came out to a Mexico game, sat in the PBA section with us, and had a sign, uh, Mi esposo es mexicano, yo también, uh, y yo le voy a su equipo, something like that, right? And it became, it just blew up, right? And, and she, she gave herself a, an Instagram um, account called La Huera del Tri. It was just so funny, right? <laughs> so they've all kind of like, like, if it, like they've all assumed this, this character for the games based off of that um, duality, right? Uh, and, and there's tons of fans within PVA that have assumed that duality is part of their 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 their, their fandom and their and the character that they, they they bring to the game and the stands. Because really, some of these people in PVA have become their own little celebrity character, right? You see them on TV. They have their their personal flags that are now everywhere. They have their costumes. Um, so that's a cool thing about about Mexico games, about PVA, it's really a pageantry of, uh, of culture, of costumes, of ideas. Um, it all just kind of gets blended in, right? Whether you're a U.S. fan full-time, whether you're a Mexico fan full-time, or whether you have that duality, you know, like some other people, um, it, it all comes kind of together in this really cool flavor in the stands. And I think it's a question, too, of like, you know, what's a soccer fan? You know, what's American? You know, being American to me is – yeah, I would eat, you know, a whole bunch of different types of foods, but, you know, I grew up on, you know, tacos and fideo and, you know, you always have tortillas, you know, and I think it doesn't make me any less American, obviously. I think it makes you more American to kind of enjoy your background and your culture and your ethnicity. Um, and I think it, it harkens back to soccer fandom too, is, you know, you can love, you can love two or three different teams, I think, you know, um, Especially when it's a little bit easier when the other, you know, one's winning. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is right. No, but you know, you go, you have to go back to like the Edward James almost uh, quote from Selena, right? You got to be more American than the Americans. You got to be more Mexican than the Mexicans. It's not just U.S. fans that kind of trash us a little bit. It's also Mexico fans that trash us, right? You know, our our website um, and our our social media streams are primarily in English for the reasons that I told you, right? Our 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 fans prefer to consume their information in English. So we have Mexico soccer fans in Mexico who criticize us. Ay, muy mexicanos y no hablan en español. No, si hablamos en español, pero estamos en Estados Unidos y la mayoría de la gente quiere um, su información en inglés. And so we have that, you know, duality and that, that, that little bit of trash talk from both sides. But what's funny is whenever we show up to Mexico City for a party, everybody wants to party with us, right? <laughs> whenever we show up to LA to party, everybody wants to party, right? So, 
So I think we, we, we break those barriers down by being friendly, by being welcoming, and by always having a cold beer for someone who wants to just have a good time, right? Banda, asada, and beer. I unfortunately can only imagine what a PBA tailgate is like, but it's been described to me as a college football atmosphere with your closest family. You're going to eat well, scream beloved soccer chants, and leave with a smile on your face. <laughs> yes, all the tailgates are—they they, get—they—they they, 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 the tailgates get really, really epic. You know how we do it, right? So, uh, you know, if you're doing a a, a one-year-old birthday party, you know, you're bringing three cakes and you bring, you're going all out, right? That's just how we do. And so the cake, the, the, the tailgates are the same way. And, and what we try to do, it's like if we have a tailgate in Los Angeles and we have banda and we have food and we have uh, drinks and. You know, then the next game's going to be in San Francisco. San Francisco guys are like, hey, you know what? We have to outshine L.A. So they're going to pop off and do something bigger. And then, oh, guess what? The game's in Dallas. Oh, we got to outshine L.A. and San Francisco. So it's kind of like a friendly competition in between each other that every tailgate seems to top the next. So it's like I'm just amazed at how I'm like how the, the, the tailgates are epic. And it's like, how can they how can they top this? Like after after each game, after after each tailgate, we're, we're left with like. Man, I wonder what the next. How are they going to top the next tailgate? It sure, sure as heck, you know. We, you know, they, they go, they go all out and do something bigger and better. And it's just, it's just, it's just a, an amazing, amazing experience. So it's almost got to be like having your friends over at your house. Like mm-hmm. you're hosting a barbecue one day, and then you go to the next one. You know, your friends like, no, 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 I'm putting on, I'm putting on some extra, you know, something, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Z Tenoco, or El Sargento, is a sergeant in the Phoenix Battalion and hosts the organization's Viaz podcast. Yeah, no, man. For me, it's like it's just that just adds to the pageantry before a game, right? I mean, you think about you know, you're, you're you're getting. I mean, for me, it's the build up. Uh, you know, you know a match is coming. Um, you know the opponent, uh, and then you know as a member, you know, and even more like a captain and a sergeant in, in various rankings. I mean, you, you're very involved in the process. So it's kind of like, okay, how, what are we going to do to make sure that our members and even people who are not just Mexico fans are going to have a great time, you know? And it, again, it's just coming down and coming up with a plan, you know, uh, what are we going to do for food? What, what's allowed? I mean, it, it's, a, it's just, what I, what I end up liking is that, you know, every, every battalion, every member just brings in their own flavor. And, and we're not trying to outstage each other. We're not trying to compete against each other. I mean, there might be some friendly competition, right? Like, how can we make this a better experience? But, you know, we do it as, as um, you know, as a whole. So, you know, what can we do, right? So do we hire a band? Do we get mariachi? You know, there's always got to be food, you know, plenty of drinks. Um, and, again, just open it up to everybody. And, and that's just a buildup, you know, getting people excited, getting ready for that match, win or lose. Um, the, the magic of that is that we just had a good time. So yeah, you go into it, you know, like, uh, like they think about a tailgate, but I would say it's on steroids, right? You have music, <laughs> you have dancing, you have life, you know, drums going. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, the whole experience leading up to the match. And I think the best part though, for me is, you know, the, the, the final chance and, and the, you know, the, the getting around in a circle and jumping up and down and just right before we march up to the stadium is just another great feeling. You just get that adrenaline rush um, that you can't, you can't just get by just going into a match by yourself with like your cousin, right? And you're, you're around a lot of people, man. So that, that uh, adrenaline gets pumping for sure. So that's, it's just an overall, overall experience. 
The group is named after the iconic Mexican revolutionary general. Tristan himself has served in the U.S. military and is a member of the JAG Corps. So the group takes up military rankings for its members, but they are more badges of honor for help and support they have given to the community. Um, what's your title, I guess, in Pancho Villa's army? Well, I guess you would say Coronel, okay. which is Colonel, which is, I'm, I guess, if you want to rank them, it's second in command, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to, second in command of all of Pancho Villa's army. So um, I started out as, as as the captain for Phoenix, and each city has its own specific captain. Gotcha. And then under their captains, they've got their sergeants and, and their lieutenants and everybody that kind of works together and and uh yeah so i basically you know i help oversee support for all the other different cities and different chapters uh and that's that's basically that's basically what i do and then also explain for me too like the, the rankings i know it's they're kind of tongue-in-cheek but also you know what's the significance behind them and, and also how can you get higher rank um is it more just like more dedication more you know doing more outreach or or what what comes with the ranking i guess uh, what's what's the yeah. duties what's the expectation stuff like that well I, I guess i think the ranking just kind of basically comes through you get the format from the army right so mm -hmm. the army has its 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 generals then it's got its colonels and it's got its lieutenants and 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 uh but i think i think the rankings um we don't really we don't really. I don't. Wanna, I don't know how to how to put this. I don't. We don't really hang our hats on like okay, I'm the captain. You know, it's kind of right. like we all really, really work together. Gotcha. It's just you know, each city will have a captain, and they're the ones that are in charge of basically what they take on the responsibility of, of you know, making sure the, the word gets out to the to the followers, to the members. Um, if they're going to plan watch parties, if if they're going to take a trip to watch the three. Uh, anything that, that's, going, that's going on in the community, we pass the information off to the captains and then the captains work it, work it down. So that's just kind of how, how it's structured. Um, and as far as rankings, I mean, it just really kind of goes with, you know, we know a lot of people have, have very, very busy lives, but you do have those individuals who have the qualities to, to take on more of a challenge. You know, you've got families and you've got work and you've got responsibilities, but, but some of the, some of, some of our members have their passion is just so great that they're 24 hours nonstop trying to do something for, for the three. I mean, we, we, the way we look at it is we look in, we look to, we're doing it for the three, you know, we're not doing it to gain any kind of personal fame or any kind of advantages. It's just something that we feel we, we can help the, the, the club or, or, or the team, you know? And so as far as rankings, that's kind of where, you know, depending on, on the leg work, I mean, on the groundwork, on the uh, grassroots and all of that, um, the individuals that, that are dedicated and can handle the responsibility, you know, we, we discuss it with them and, and it's kind of like, a committee by committee hey you know what let's let's go ahead and promote uh you know adrian to to sergeant you know he's done this he's done that and and most of the time there's no it's not like a vote yay or nay it's just kind of like yeah man let's do it you know it's just you know it, 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 it's a badge of honor you know for it's sure. a badge of honor because you're doing something for for less for the community for three and for us Sergio Tristan just wanted to catch the Mexico-USA match, 
and watching at home wasn't going to cut it. He wanted to be around the frivolity and cacophony of cheers you find at the local bar. It's just that you don't always get what you want. So, I mean, officially, like I said, it started in January 2013, right? But um, where I had my aha moment was actually during the final of the Gold Cup in 2011. And you'll probably remember that game because that was a game that we were down 2-0 to zero, um, early to the U.S. national team, and we stormed back. That was a game that Chicharito, um, I mean, that Giovanni Dos Santos had that amazing goal um, that you still see memes about where he chips it over the entire defense and over the goalie, you know, tucks it into the corner. And, uh, you know, the announcer running me still saying, feed him on that Gio, feed him on that Gio. Um, but anyway, that, that's when it kind of happened. Um, I, I, was, I was in Austin. I just got back from my, my second deployment to Iraq. And I told my girlfriend or my wife at the time now um, that I wanted to go see the game at a bar. And so we, we just literally got on Yelp and said soccer bars in Austin. Um, and we went to, to a local bar here. Little did I know that that was the American Outlaw Bar. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the American Outlaws are the, are the U.S. supporter group here in the United States, right? So they cheer on the U.S. national team. Um, and so I walk in, and I'm the only dude with a green L3 jersey. And I look around, and I'm like, this is not what I wanted to do. But, you know, we're like five, ten minutes from kickoff. The wife is hungry, and when the wife is hungry, the, you know, the wife is hungry. So you, you, you suck it up, you sit down, you grab, a, you grab a chair, and you start watching the game. And like I said, you know, we, we went down two to zero right right away. Like we were down two to zero. And what happens when Mexico's losing to the US two to zero in any game? Dos a cero, right? So the little chants start. Dos a cero. And all those little chants are directed right at me. They're all looking at me. They're all laughing at me. Uh, so there I am. I took it like a champ though. I didn't do anything. I just, you know, I took I took my beat down a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and then Mexico storms back, man. I mean, they just stormed back. And it was amazing. And when that final goal went in, I got up. I wanted to cheer. I wanted to yell. I wanted to high-five someone. And there was nobody, nobody in that bar to high-five with, right? Uh, my wife is Puerto Rican, so you know, I can't even high-five with her, right? So, so, uh, so I was like, you know, I left that bar thinking, there's got to be more people like me that love Mexican soccer, that would love to get together like this um, and, and kind of cheer on the three and, 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 and have that, you know, community type of uh, – um, you know, watch party. And that's really where this kind of came out of. It was just that, you know, aha moment of realizing there's got to be more people that love Mexican soccer and would love to watch it, you know, you know, like me at a bar with other people in a very um, college football way, right? Like a lot of us that went to college in the States here, you know, consumed um, college football that way, right? You know, for example, I went to the University of Texas. If Texas played, you know, we'd all go to a bar and watch a game um, you know, for whatever. So I, I really thought there's got to be more people like this that would love to watch soccer in the same way, you know, and there was, fortunately. No, and I know you have the, the great memory of that, but how was it when, when Mexico went ahead? Because I know how, you know, because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of U.S. soccer, um, and I know it's just can be depressing and demoralizing, like any, you know, soccer fan. Um, but, you know, you're wearing the kit. I didn't know you were wearing the kit there. Like, um, and so once you take the lead, were people, was there a little animosity there or were people cool? It got a little quiet, man. <laughs> it got a little quiet. Um, the, Amer- the, the American Outlaw chapter in Austin is pretty, pretty hardcore. <laughs> um, um, it, it got a little quiet uh, for sure. But, you know, all these guys from Austin, it's funny now, uh, but now that Austin has an MLS team, we've all kind of come together and rallied around that. 
Um, and, and it's funny to tell that story because there's people would be like, yeah, dude, I remember you, you were in that bar and, and you know, cause they're all American outlaw supporters, but there's, there was a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a stare going on from some of the, from some of the fans. <laughs> it's not a, it's not the perfect way to watch a, watch a football match, but, um, so, you know, you get there, you're in Austin, you know, you're a super fan that's willing to go out to a bar and you walk in and you see you're in the wrong bar. Um, and you're such a super fan. And you're like, I'm doing it. How, where did that come from? Um, I guess bring me back to, you know, as a kid, like where did the love of soccer start? Um, and then the love of the love of L3. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was one of those kids at uh, first generation, you know, born and raised in the U S my parents came here in the, in the late seventies, early eighties or so. Um, but you know, at that time, especially here in Texas, the, the communities that developed around those migrant, uh, uh, migrant communities um, were very close-knit, right? Um, and so we kind of stuck to ourselves. You know, for example, Sundays were church in the morning, breakfast at church, and then, you know, followed by uh, typical Pumas versus, you know, whoever at noon on the on Univision or Telemundo. And then, you know, you'd go and play soccer in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Um, so my love of soccer kind of really started from there. And then, you know, every summer and every Christmas, we'd always head back to Mexico. And so while I was in Mexico, I'd just, you know, play and play with my cousins and, we, you know, whatever. And back in the 80s and early 90s, there really wasn't a U.S. national team, a U.S. men's national team. Um, so the only thing I consumed was the Mexican national team. And the only thing that I supported was the Mexican national team. And I was still young, but I remember vividly the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Um, so you just put all that together, um, the, the World Cup in Mexico, the Mexican national team having a great run. My cousins influencing me to be, uh, you know, a soccer fan first, and then a Mexico soccer fan on top of that. Uh, all that just kind of created the Mexican national team fandom in me, um, you know, and, and pretty much who I am now. Right? That's how I became a Mexico soccer fan supporter. There's a chant that L3 supporters have liked to shout the moment an opposing goalkeeper kicks the ball back into play. It's one that you've heard countless times. It's one that remains offensive to the LGBTQ community, and it's one that needs to go. And, you know, I did want to talk, you know, you, you, had, you had mentioned in another interview about the chant. Um, and I know, you know, I wanted to bring that up because just this week, and, and we're recording it, um, you know, on a week that, you know, Tom Brenneman, um, uh, Major League Baseball announcer, issued um, a gay slur um, over a hot mic moment. He didn't know the mic was on. And that was earlier this, I don't know if you're privy to that or if you knew about it, um, but it happened uh, yesterday, a couple days ago. Um, and that was one thing that, that made me think about it. Um, what are your thoughts on the Mexican chant um, that is, continues to be pervasive? It's something that's just almost indelible, unfortunately. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think, I think, I think we're over it, man. Um, I think... I think there was a miseducation in a lot of the fans, and I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, from 1997 to 2008, 2009, you know, I yelled it in the stands, right? Um, and, and I think a lot of people will tell you that. But I think, I think we're just over it, uh, or, or I hope we're over it, right? Um, I think that the, the majority of the PBA members understand that PBA does not allow that in our section, right? Um, I think, but, but I, think, I think generationally, the new fans understand it better than the older fans and generation this will this will just disappear um little by little i'm glad that the that the mexican federation that liga mx and that that soon um have 
began to impose harsher punishments on the on the team and on the fans for doing this type of behavior. Um, so hopefully it's no longer part of our, um, you know, soccer language, right? Because it, it shouldn't be. Um, it, it's 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 antiquated in my opinion. I think I think Mexican soccer fans are creative people. We can come up with something better. Um, como se dice, nuestra picardía nunca para, verdad? So let's show them that picardía, that 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 sizzle that Mexican fans have. We can come up with something better, uh, you know, to antagonize the goalkeeper a little bit and, and, and whatever. But it doesn't have to be that word. Um, and so I think I think I think I think we should be just done with it. And, and, and in PVA, it's unacceptable. No, and I, I think you're completely right. I think something like that. It's it's so small in, in how 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 quickly it's it's thrown out there. Um, but it's just so um, entrenched um, in, 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 you know, at least supporter culture. Um, and it's, it does, it takes generations to kind of weed it out. And, and we saw that this week with, with Tom Brenneman's, um, what he had said. And it's just, people say it with such flippancy, and, you know, that it's just, it comes out with ease. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like even in, in the U.S., man, like, you know, that's so, right? That's, that, that's right. just so exactly. common. Uh, or it was very common back in the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, yeah, um, and sure. just getting that out of our uh, vocabulary, you know, in itself is a is a struggle here in the United States. Um, so, so I do I do find it offensive when you know U.S. soccer fans criticize Mexico soccer fans um, about it because for one, it's our problem, and so it needs it needs a brown solution to it, right? And we're working towards it. Um, but secondly, we have the same problems here in the United States, um, and like I said. When people used to say, or when people still say that, so you know, yeah. it's the same. It's the same. It's the same problem that the chant produces. Uh, so, so let's just look internally. Let's all focus on our own problems. And let's fix them um, and try our best. PVA is about gathering a crowd for the game, sure, but Latinos have a wonderful way of turning even a sports-themed gathering into something that resembles a, a family party. When you talk to its members, they are far closer than fellow fans. These are brothers and sisters who share a special bond. Um, and then, you know, we talked about, you know, the page views you're getting on the website, um, but also you know, Pancho Villa's army started with one person, you know, just you. Where is it now? Um, how many chapters? How many members? Um, what's that like? Man, it's big. Um, bigger than I thought it would ever be. Um, it, it's about 30 chapters nationwide. Um, and we're about uh, 15,000 members or so, give or take. Uh, so so we're big. Um, and, and then, you know, at a game, we could have anywhere between 500 to 1,000 people there um, in the PVA section itself. Uh, I think our biggest section ever was the 2015 Mexico-U.S. Gold Cup. No, not Gold Cup. CONCACAF Champions Cup final um, in L.A. And, and, and that final determined who would go to the Confederations Cup um, in 2017 prior to the Russia World Cup. And we won 2-1. to one. Uh, Or no, 3-2. to two. We won 3-2. to two. But that was like really like we had 1,500 people there. We filled up 
the 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 back four sections of of uh, the Rose Bowl. Like it was just huge, um, and that's the first time we displayed one of the biggest banners that we've ever had at a Mexico soccer game. I mean, it was just tremendous, and we used the hashtag uh, "Sigo siendo rey." Um, and it just blew up, right? Like from then on, that was like our biggest game, our biggest banner. Um, and it was just really, really cool. That's it, well, the, the amazing thing to me, and I don't know if it does it ever hit you where you turn around and you know, you're in Austin, you, no one's there to, to give you any love or daps. And then you're there, you know, like you said, 1500 people are there screaming. Does it ever hit you? You started this. I mean, I mean, it's because of you, like you brought people together. You know, no, it doesn't hit me there. When it hits me is when I, I, I get on, um, you know, social media and, I, and I'm talking to some of the guys and I see people from other cities that met through PVA um, travel together or someone goes to New York on, 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 on business or work um, and, and they link up with another PVA member uh, and you go out to dinner. Like that's when it hits me, right? Like the games and stuff, that's cool, man. That's great. But the community outside of soccer that this is kind of created, not expected, but probably the coolest parts. Like, like we have PVA members now who go on vacation together. They become friends. We have PVA members who met at a game and now they're you know, dating, right? Um, like, I'm still waiting for the first PVA wedding. Like, I even told them, first PVA wedding, you know, I'll bring the mariachi. It's all me, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, like, yeah, like the community that's grown out of this outside of just the soccer game, that's what's really cool to me. And that's what's really kind of like, uh, emotionally made me feel like, like this is something really, really special. The family is the one biggest, the, the biggest thing that I, that's the most important to me. And so uh, through thick and thin, family comes first. And when you have, when you, when you, when you join others to cheer or to support a team like Mexico, that's your family. It's an extension of your family. So to me, it's it's very very personal. It's very it's family oriented. Um, if if one of our bunch of the army uh, members is in trouble or needs support or whatever, we're you know I'm going to be there to, to try to support, do what I can, you know, because again, to me, I, I feel it's an extension of my family. So it just kind of ties and brings it all together, um, and of course, just you know the the pride to wear the colors. So uh, one other big subject too is kind of supporters in the age of COVID right now. I know there's no mm-hmm. games right now, but they're coming up quickly. Um, are, what are the plans, but also more so what do you guys, what have you guys been doing the past four or five months? Has it been a lot of zoom <laughs> calls, phone calls? Um, like what are you guys doing to kind of get that, um, that energy out that you guys are so used to having, you know, every so often going to a game? Yeah, absolutely. So well, basically we've just been, like you said, phone calls, uh, messages, memes, <laughs> you know, we love uh-huh. those memes. Um, I think that's kind of keeping, helping us keep our sanity a little bit, but we're, we're doing is, is we're taking this, this time, this little break to kind of re reinvent, restructure, I don't want to say restructure, but, but, um, really, really brainstorm on, on what can we do better? You know, what, what worked in the past, what didn't work. And there's a lot of conversation in regards to, you know, hey, maybe we're doing too much and, and, and it's it's a stress or because it can be a stress, obviously, trying to organize a, a tailgate or organize a trip. So we're really we're really trying to to talk to different individuals, different members, getting different ideas and inputs and, and getting more people involved to kind of, you know, to kind of uh, better the experience, if, if, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and then again, we're we also taking the time to 
to plan the future uh the next tailgate. I mean, the next tailgate, the ne- next tailgate or next watch party. Because obviously, if, if, if Mexico plays and we're not going to be able to go to the stadium, you know, some people still are, are they're talking about traveling to the game. They go, we're going to travel and we're just going to hang out by the stadium or, you know, they're going to go, you know, and, and other people are, are talking about, well, well, you know, we, we can't really crowd too many people in, in a restaurant, you know, because of the age of COVID, you know, so what, what are the options? Are we doing a, a drive-in showing, a park showing? Like, like what, what are the different options? And people are getting really, really creative. Um, and that's just pretty much what we're, we've been doing as of late. And, and one question I, I didn't ask Sergio too uh, is, Let's say someone wants to join. You know, what can they expect right off? Because it sounds like Pancho Villa's Army, yeah, it's a supporter group, but it sounds like it's a community. You know, like, you're, hey, don't join unless you want more friends kind of thing. You know, um, what's it like? Yeah, if you join, like, what can you expect for, like, in the first year? So, like, during a, sorry, a normal year, um, uh-huh. what would you expect? I mean, you can definitely expect an extension of your family. I mean, your, 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 kids, your family is going to grow by by quadruple, you know, um, the one thing that I can definitely tell you is, is we do things outside of soccer. Um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, people who are Patriots Army followers are, um, they are professionals and they have work and they have jobs that, you know, allow, I mean, uh, they have to travel for work or, or business trips or family vacations or whatnot. And the first thing that, and the first thing that they do is, okay, I'm taking a trip to San Francisco. The first thing I do is call up San Francisco. Hey, guess what guys, I'll be in this day, this day, I'm going to be free these days and these times. If you guys uh, are free, let's join up, catch a beer. And, and, and the first thing that the first response is going to be, what time is your flight in? I'll pick you up at the airport. I'll take you to the hotel. What do you need? Like everybody just, it's, it's like having cousins in, in different cities. And when you travel, you know, you travel and you're kind of like, okay, well, even though you're traveling, you know, here in the States, you still have that insecurity of, oh, my God, I got to find where's the best restaurant, you know, uh, where's a good place to, to, to book a hotel. And the one thing that we do is, hey, guess what? I'm coming into Dallas. Uh, where's a good place to stay? Uh, and, and they do, they basically do the home, the work for you. They're like, Hey, stay here. You, if you want a, a budget hotel, stay here, this area, but to avoid this area, you know, so it's like, it's, it's an extension. So we have, we have, uh, we have, uh, members, uh, one, one member in particular, he, he flew out to Miami. Um, he flew out to Miami and met up with the Fort Lauderdale chapter and they, they, they had a whole barbecue specifically just because he came into town. Right. And he, he was in Miami just for the, the weekend or whatnot, but they went all out and did a barbecue for him and, and they have pictures and all. I mean, they were, it was just, it's awesome. It's like visiting family. So for those, for those who are, who want to join PVA, Pontrovia's army, you can just automatically expect immediate family and <laughs> just add water. Fuego Podcast is edited by Dylan Wren. I'm your host, Gabe Zaldivar. If you like the show, you can help support it in a tremendous way by liking, following, and subscribing across your favorite streaming services. Give a comment or a five-star rating. With your support, you're helping give some of sport's greatest stories the spotlight they deserve. Next week, we do just that, pulling back the curtain on a rather uplifting sports story you might not know about.